I've peaked. I've peaked. We all have, Brendan. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Magic Wings Clubhouse, a podcast where two best friends get together and recap every episode of the Italian Magical Girl series Winks Club. I'm Brendan, Fairy of the Surging Sea. And I'm Tess, Fairy of the Rolling Stones. Speaking of, we are watching Season 2, Episode 7, The Mysterious Stone. I only deal in multiples. The original Italian title of this episode is the same as the Cinelum and aired May 10th, 2005, while the four kids dub called this episode The Black Tower, and it aired on October 22nd of 2005, it's almost Halloween. Oh! Actually... Do we get one more of those, or...? I think we do get one more. It's almost Halloween. Let me check. (laughs) It's almost Halloween. I'm so glad... Speaking of, happy... First day of fall. Yeah, blessed Mabin, everybody. You can tell it's fall because I got cold and I now have my little tiny under-the-desk heater going. You anemic boss. So, before we begin, I believe we you said that we can finally answer a listener question as of this ep- Actually, no, we can answer it as of next episode. They bond this week. And I feel it would make more sense to answer it after we've covered it happening. I don't want to say put it back in the lettuce crisper, but put it back in the lettuce crisper. You know what I mean? Yes. We're very sorry. You know who you are. We begin this episode with a frame narrative. I, for some reason, I did not like this. I thought it was at least something different. The four kids dub cut it completely. And did you also notice that including the intro with the amount of stuff cut from this episode without the frame narrative, the four kids version five minutes. Yeah. The four kids version, I think after you take out the opening is about 12 minutes long. So they had some long commercial breaks. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know why. Don't ask me why. I didn't like this. Like, my first note was, oh, I hate this. Uh, our, our frame narrative for the episode is Livy putting on a paper doll play for a bunch of pixie pets. I think it was the pixie pets that ruined me. See, I agree that they're kind of, like, obviously there to compete with Neopet stuffed animals. But I also love the pixie crab. There is a pixie crab. He's my favorite. I like the koala with glasses. Did you notice in the four kids dub, the hedgehog does show up, but it makes pig noises? It. it I don't know what this. Uh, uh, this. Are they in the show because they're in the audience or are they in the audience because they were in the action? Why are they here? To, to be cute and sell toys. Uh, so we actually get Livy and Meaty, like, 
in media res because she is at the height of the story, which involves Bloom about to kiss somebody who isn't Sky. So, uh, you know, there's going to be some hot goss later. Hang on for that. Yeah. She gets interrupted by a bear pixie pet who is late to the show. And like three times bigger than all the other pixie pets. He's a very big stuffed animal. Uh, it also talks. The pixie pets don't talk, but this one can. Not brought up, just a, it, it, she just observes that, oh, you can talk, and then directs <laughs> him to sit down, and he sits in the front row next to the crab. And pisses off everyone behind him. Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's like sitting behind the person with a hat in the movie theater. With the big hat, and they take the hat off, and it's just big hair underneath the big hat. So Livy starts the story over from the very beginning, which I know if I was an audience member and the story had to be started over by somebody who was late, I would be upset. So our story begins. Our story. Our story rebegins. Our story within a story. Our story starts over. Our story within a story starts with a hurricane hitting magics. Which is apparently a kingdom now. That seems like such a throwaway line. But I guess, okay, I guess magics is a kingdom. I thought it was just a a random city-state in the middle of nowhere. Uh, And the... There is a... uh, A mysterious monolith jutting from Lake Rocaluce. Muted thus spake Zarathrusta plays in the distance. Yeah, this is just 2001 A Space Odyssey, but there's no talking... (laughs) No, wait, that's Tecna. (laughs) Tecna's hell. I'm afraid I can't do that, Bloom. Thank you for doing the accent. Uh, The cast is not aware of this yet, however, as they finally have returned from subplot hell. Which is adjacent to Power Rangers Hell, where Queen Banshira lives now. This was an interesting way to get to this point, because we finally have the other three members of the Winks bond with Pixies. They show back up. Yeah, they're here. They're back. Uh, so, Tecna with Digit, because they have been uh, online buddies for a while. Apparently. Toon and Musa, because Toon likes Musa's style. And we don't get a reason for why Chad bonded with Flora, but we do see that she is asking Flora for all the the goss of Alfia and if she has a boyfriend or not. I think I think Chad just wants to get Flora some. I mean So to address it, I think it's kinda Okay, so here's the thing. Three of the fairies we have, well, four, I guess, four of the Winks get pixies who are going to pose them with character foils. Because Flora, who do- Flora, the wallflower, pun unintended, gets Chatta, the motormouth. Hmm. Uh, Musa, the tomboy, gets Toon, the proper lady. Stella, who has relationship issues because of her parents marriage crumbling gets amore the pixie of love and aisha has to take care of a baby 
And that doesn't seem to be something that naturally comes to her. At least we will learn later that this is character development that has happened off screen. And then we just get uh, these two like computers. And there's some symbolism here about keys opening doors and a lock on your heart because you don't know who your birth parents are. Hey, Brendan. Yes. I think you've just answered the question. I guess I did. I guess I did, because that's my that's my big complaint about the pixie pairings, is that I guess Bloom and Lockettes is f- more from a plot angle than from a uh, than from a personality one. But Tekna and Digit is just lazy. Yeah, it really is. And that's that was my one thing. And would you like to know the real kicker? Is that eventually Digit and Toon are gonna get replaced with two different pixies who have a bigger role in the spin-off? Ouch. So yeah, after uh I think it's like season five ish when the Pixies show up again, uh Toon and Digit will not be here. But the they import- got voted off the island. <laughs> you are um, the weakest links. Goodbye. <laughs> you are the weakest winks. <laughs> um should I read the question now then? Like <laughs> Yeah, let's address it, because I, I did okay. just give my opinions. So, I'm not sure if I'm going to be putting this earlier in the episode or not. I'll find out when we get when I get there. Um, Raysa, at Raysa is bored. I, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, she asks, what do you think of the Winx Pixie pairings? Are there any changes you would like to make? I really enjoy the podcast, BTW. Keep up the good work. Thank you very much, Raysa. Thank you. Tess, what is your what are your pixie opinions? I just since Tecna is one of my favorite damn characters in this entire franchise, her being paired off with the nerdy nerdy one No. You know? Like I want more fun. This is they're gonna talk techno babble and we won't have a trainee to translate. I like the idea of maybe a swap between Stella and Tecna where Stella bonds with Digit and Digit teaches Stella, you know, to take her education more seriously while uh, Amore keeps Tecna, you know, grounded Grounded. in her emotions. And also, hey, look at Timmy. Isn't he cute? Well, Timmy and Tecna are dating at this point. Yes, but it's not... You know what I mean. Like, not not just... He's not just your study buddy. He's also an actual person with feelings. So I think that could... That would be an interesting way to solve that problem. Like, I'm not... I don't know much about Toon. Except the music thing. And I'm like, why is the music getting paired off with the music? But because I forgot that Toon is more of a Mozart than an hip-hop yeah yeah i did like that kind of idea of tune representing classical music right those are as of as of now the only changes i would make we're not halfway into the episode it's fine (laughs) continue 
uh, Kiko tries to get Bloom's attention because Kiko is here and Kiko plays a key role in the frame narrative. Uh, it is implied that he makes all of the paper dolls that Livy has been using to tell the pl- to tell the story. And he tries to show Bloom the one he made of her, but she's wrapped up with the pixies because unlike Kiko, the pixies can actually talk and interact instead of just making and- <laughs> courage the cowardly dog noises. And they can fly, so Kiko's one party trick is kind of done. Uh, Bloom takes the pixies inside to get settled, and Kiko sulks a little bit. Sky tries to cheer him up. Uh, in the Cineloom dub, I think it's just some generic advice, uh, you know, where he's like, uh, or just like a, a comment that, oh, this must be your first time getting rejected by a girl. And, and Kiko is about to bite him. And in the four kids dub, uh, Dan Green helpfully informs Kiko that if you want to get a girl's attention, you have to be cool. Because it's 2005. Because that, that totally worked for Timmy? Yeah, just act like you're not interested in her at all. That's not sending mixed messages. Ugh, teenagers. Their frontal co- lobes aren't developed. They don't have any decision-making ability or consequence vision but anyhow uh kiko smacks sky's hand away and sky leaves the rabbit to stew until tender Badum tish so farragonda summons the winks to her office and congratulates them on their successful mission you know the three of them and then the other ones are here too however while the winks were away She's been reviewing the evidence and has come to the conclusion that their new foe is far more powerful than they initially thought. She has the Winks observe the viewing... I mean, a magical projector screen that she summons and gives a brief PowerPoint presentation. We learned that the ancestral coven's reign of terror, including the sacking of Domino, was carried out under Lord Darkar's order. And now that Darkar has influence over the tricks, history threatens to repeat itself. Um, in four kids, they completely change his backstory. They change the backstory, but also the ancestral witches are attacking some other place under his. I don't know. The ancestral witches don't even figure at all into the four kids explanation. It's just a place that got destroyed. Something about shadow fire. I don't. Whatever. Yeah, in uh, they are setting up. Uh, Darkar as in the four kids dub to be like the evil version of Bloom's Dragonflame which uh, fun fact that is the exact same thing that happens in season three with that bad guy Um, there are so many evils to this one good yeah it's very odd cause like Darkar's Shadow Phoenix and Bloom's Dragonflame are like the two complementary things because you know how sometimes when yin and yang are visualized they're sometimes a dragon and a phoenix sure uh yeah and then uh valtor in season three is powered by the dark side of the dragon fire so i'm more used to the um symbolism of the dragon and the tiger yeah that shows up a lot on uh mall t-shirts not t-shirts, mall silks printed screen shirts. It also shows up in Phoenix Wright. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, T- 
Techna questions what exactly Darkar is trying to achieve. By the way, Techna's voice, no. The her her Cinelune performance is notably downgrading. It it sounds like a different person. This actress is phoning it in. Um, and and Faragonda informs them that Darkar seeks nothing short of infinite power and godhood, as one does. Just cash, cash godhood. Aisha's curious as to why Darkar would go after the Pixies and try to find their village, but Faragonda. Faragonda. <laughs> Faragondola doesn't answer her. And instead, rather sloppily, tries to redirect the girls by telling them to remain vigilant because Darkhar can work his magic remotely. Hey, do you want to know something? What? This is the first appearance of Tecna's, of uh, Sinaloom Tecna's second voice actress. Which oh, might, it sucks! Uh, she might just be trying to get used to the character. I will reserve judgment, but I understand why the last girl was let go. But apparently, uh, from season one to season two, episode five, Techna was voiced by Leslie Carls. And moving forward until the end of season four, uh, she will be voiced by Jodie Rester. Techna did not appear last episode. All right. Uh, welcome to the um, team, Jodie. Grab your um, complimentary tote bag and hand soap set. And we'll see you in five. Techna realizes Farragonda is keeping something from them, but even she gets distracted when Farragonda tells them that the Pixies will be staying in Alfia for the time being. There is a practical edge to this, since Darkhar can spy on them at any time. Keeping the Pixies at Alfia will keep him from learning the location of their village. Farragonda also uses this opportunity to extend a formal invitation to Aisha, asking if she'll stay for the school year, and Aisha accepts. We then get a montage with very, very bad music. In both of the pixies, Of the pixies and fairies bonding with each other, all while Kiko gets depressed that Bloom is paying more attention to Lockett than to him. Uh, this shot is also used in the opening, I believe. Because Aisha does her weird little sidestep shuffle dance. Yeah. And Bloom is tickling uh, Lockett like she's a Tickle Me Elmo doll. (laughs) After a brief use of Livy's paper doll play as a scene transition, which is kind of clever, the Winks... Livy... Like delivery! Yes, I... uh, Yeah, I guess. I guess so. Wow! Huh. Neat. Uh, now that we've understood that terrible pun, uh, we use we use her framing device as a scene transition. Uh, the Winks are just kind of wandering around the halls of Alfia as a mysterious cloaked figure who is incredibly menacing just approaches the school through the storm. Tecna brings up the fact that Faragond is keeping the reason Dark Arb would want the Pixie Village's location from them, and everyone agrees that it's really weird that she's keeping a secret from them after last year. Yeah. It's not as bad as uh it's not as bad as Dowling's secret keeping. Which I will I will go to bat for her in that 
she didn't so much keep secrets as did not know information was relevant until it was too late. Yeah. Uh, but uh, they also talk about the oddness of the whole situation with the pixies showing up out of the blue and the tricks and how the tricks are way more powerful than they were last year. And they weren't exactly pushovers to begin with. Uh, Livy makes an in-story appearance now with a message from Farragonda. Yada da 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 I am your singing telegram. Bang. Uh, the Winks are to put on their best bad weather cloaks and join Farragonda at the lake as soon as they are able. And when they get down there, they find her standing next to the monolith from 2001 A Space Odyssey. Uh, it has recently appeared out of nowhere. And combined with everything else that's going on lately she's just really wigged out by it techna tries to do a scan with her little ladybug drone but the only thing she can tell is that it's not made out of rock or out of metal it looks like it's made out of solid magic farragonda then charges the girls with destroying the monolith no matter what all right time to fight a fucking rock and I realize the storm doesn't break here so much as they, like, hit the eye of it for, like, ten minutes. As soon as the storm dies down a bit, the wings get to work trying to destroy the monolith. All of them try to use a different spell on it, but they all get hit by some form of recoil, and their magic has no effect. The camera pans into the woods, and the mysterious cloaked figure from earlier has six balls of magic in his hands, one for each of the girl's powers. This isn't suspicious at all. Not menacing. Not sinister. Hey, Brendan. Hmm? I know we're trying to stop doing Harry Potter references. Hmm. He looks like a f***ing dementor. Kinda, Yeah. Anyway, we rejoin the Winks in their room as the rain starts back up, and Bloom isn't with them. We also see Skye trying to call her, but he can't get through. She's still trying to destroy the monolith herself, pummeling it with fireballs, but nothing has an effect. She wears herself out and collapses on the ground, detransforming as she does. Okay, now she's dead. At this point, I was thinking that... Farragonda, the one who was, like, you know, telling them how to, like, to fight the rock. I was thinking that that wasn't Farragonda because both Farragonda and this mysterious cloaked figure were in the exact same raincoat. Now, why would she tell them to fight Dwayne Johnson? They're in a completely different weight class. Look at how skinny their limbs are. She wants to know if she can smell what the rock is cooking. Enchiladas Rancheros, I think. The four kids version of this phone call scene... Just made me roll my eyes a whole lot. Hmm. Because I can see where this is going. Hmm. But you know what? Nothing will ever top the one episode of season seven that I don't remember if you were there for or if I just caught this on my own. But where Sky was jealous of a talking unicorn. James Baxter. Uh, yeah, Sky is uh, immediately jealous and assumes that bloom is out with another guy not helped by the fact that brandon teases him about that and yeah brandon just goes dave don't worry sky maybe she's just out with another guy 
I mean, Brandon's just teasing him. I'm going to give him the BOTD with this one. It's Sky's fault for getting that in his head. Also, Sky, you have some real fuss nerve after the Diaspora incident. <laughs> you have a perfectly lovely ex-fiance who's going to get who got villainized for no reason. She's Ariana Grande, for God's sake, you ungrateful bastard. Um, the scene changes to Farragonda in the Magical Archives, which we saw at the beginning of the season, holding a meeting with Concordia, the Archives Pixie, and three others who have very distinctive character designs. I thought they were really cute. <laughs> One looked like she was going to burst into flame out of pure spite. Yeah, one is, like, purple and mean. Like, there's a Maleficent. Uh, there's a, like, there's one in a little toga. Uh, who I love out of principle. And, <laughs> um, the fourth one had green hair and a walking stick. In Four Kids, Farragonda calls these the elders of Pixie Village. Let's change the plot to make it work for us. Um, Farragonda informs them that the situation has become critical and she gives each of them what appears to be an enamel pin, telling them that they must keep them secret. Remember, girls, you must never reveal your Ita bag to anyone. Back in the wink suite. <laughs> Flora is worried about Bloom being out in the storm, but there's some chatter that Blooms didn't seem to want the rest of them around. Which is not behavior we've seen from her in this episode, but alright. Tecna does some ruminating on the monolith, and then the power in the school cuts out. This shouldn't be possible, apparently, since Althea's electricity runs on magic. Oh no, which... a burned one got in the school. <laughs> a knock comes at the door, and when Musa opens it, um, in four kids asking if anyone ordered pizza, the cloaked figure from earlier enters the room, carrying Bloom like he just pulled her out of the river sticks at the end of Hercules. La Pieta. <laughs> Bloom Pietas. <laughs> uh, the next day, we completely gloss over what just happened, and Farragonda has the winks back in her office. And she congratulates them for finishing their introductory level courses, which I guess... I don't know if she means their entire first year or if introductory level classes stretch into like the start of your second. But anyhow, it is time to begin intermediate subjects. Uh, we have a, is this a match cut? I don't know film editing, but we go to the lake and there's a whole bunch of students with her now. Uh, Farragonda introduces the student body, presumably the entire second year, to the man who's been skulking around mysteriously all episode. And it's the paladin who saved the team in the Enderdark. I don't know if it was for lip flap or what, but both dubs phrased things very clunkily. Oh, yeah. When Bloom, Stella, and Aisha react to seeing, you know... Uh, it's the a super handsome paladin that saved us from before! Something you would completely say in unison. You say one or two, maybe four words in a row. Not an entire damn thesis statement. Hey, it's that paladin. There you go. That's a few lip flap. Hey, it's that paladin. That's six lip flaps. 
or just the paladin. Or that pa- Come on, guys. But yeah, also... So, uh, our paladin is named Avalon. And he has joined Alfia's faculty on Faragonda's request. She wanted some advanced magic. Uh, he apparently teaches at a very fancy paladin prep school. Or at least a very prestigious academy, normally. Which, that's probably, it's probably on the same level as of education as Alfia, if I had to guess. So he, he demonstrates his power by destroying the monolith using an incantation, which is what he is at Alfia to teach. He is, he specializes in technical magic, which uses situational analysis and incantation to cast spells instead of the instinctual magic that uh, the fairies were using in their first year. Oh, okay. So we're going by Sabrina the Teenage Witch rules now. So instead of using just your knee-jerk reaction to a situation as an approach, now you're going to learn how to uh, assess a situation properly. Which I think is kind of interesting if your first term is focused on feeling out your powers and then your second, they introduce some structure to it. Right. And then I would imagine the third term is about blending these two approaches. And then fourth term, melee. <laughs> fourth is uh, for, uh, Super Smash Brothers for the Wii U. <laughs> I don't know don't why ask. that sounded like the start to Mortal Kombat music. It did. It did. Don't ask. You keep going. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, fatality. Kiko wins. No! Flawless victory! <laughs> also, Farragonda reveals that she made this monolith. At least in Cineloom. In the Cineloom dub, she made it herself. So that the Winx could experience the downside of only approaching a situation with instinctive magic. Because even though Bloom got real mad and just kept throwing fireballs at it, it wasn't enough. Uh, the four kids dub tries to pad this out by saying there were multiple monoliths that appeared so that other students would be taking care of those ones. Because Professor Avalon apparently put all of those up too. Because we can't have Farragon to do anything cool. She's just, uh, she's just Lady Dumbledore. She's just a school marm. She wanted them to experience the downside of instinctual magic so that they would take uh, technical magic more seriously. Uh, instead, everyone is big horny for Avalon. Professor, can I ask a technical question? How big that D? <laughs> uh... Uh, apparently, Professor Avalon is extremely attractive. I mean, I guess, by this show's standards, not bad. He has a square jaw, is fine. I don't like his hair. I don't like his hair either. His outfit kind of slaps, but... Oh yeah, it's like this really slick white suit. That's cool. And he's got an ascot, I think? Or like a turtleneck... And a flashy but not gaudy pendant. Uh, it isn't. It is not the Pixies starting to be upset that the Winks have uh, ditched them for a hot guy. Uh, but I, I don't know. This just seems like kind of a needless roadblock. 
Uh, they wanted to make Lockett cry. Yeah, Lockett cries and Kiko mocks her because he's a spiteful little creature. And uh, Chattel looks like she's about to destroy the rabbit. Kill the rabbit! Kill the rabbit! Uh, Bloom has a realization that uh, Avalon's uh, critical thinking approach could help her learn more about her birth family. And, you know, here's what I have to say. Domino was destroyed 16 years ago and seems to have been a fairly active participant in magical society. Wouldn't there be, like, public records stating King blah 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 and Queen blah blah blah, monarchs of Domino, children, Daphne, comma, Bloom? And then a whole genealogy for both sides of the family tree showing that they're probably like second or third cousins because that's how royals are. Look, I can find information about any royal family on the internet right now in the year of our Lord 2021. You could do that in 2005. Exactly. Like, it might take a little longer, but... You could look up Queen Elizabeth II and then immediately put together her entire family tree back to James I. But uh, this is that timescale problem where the destruction of Domino makes more sense if it had happened 1600 years ago and Bloom was sent through a time portal. And Daphne's just really hella old. Well, she's a ghost. You can't have a country ruled by a ghost? Yet? It It's not. Domino's just a ball of ice. I know it is, but it gets fixed later. Um, Daphne also gets better later. <laughs> but we, we will continue to complain about how 16 years is not a lot of time. Do you know what we were doing 16 years ago? Ironically enough, I think we would have been watching this episode. (laughs) If I didn't try to distance myself from anything remotely girly, because you're not supposed to do that. You don't like girly things. Yeah, yeah. 16 years ago was the year 2005. The year 2005. Five. Oh, um, in Four Kids, apparently the magic he teaches pulls on your genealogy uh yeah it's your ancestral ties or something like that building up on the generations of power within you which uh, hmm i don't like that for some reason I, that's uh that seems very master race and i don't like it yeah to to bloom's credit well, to the four kids dub's credit, Bloom asks what happens if you don't have a connection, like an existing connection to your uh, to your family. And he does say that while it will be more difficult, it is entirely possible to learn his what, method of magic. What if I was adopted? Well, that means your parents don't love you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in Sinaloom dub, uh, <laughs> Avalon just tells her to find him during his office hours. That night, there's a party to welcome Avalon to the school, since there apparently has to be a party every five minutes, and we see Skye and Brandon hoverbike up to Alfea. They weren't invited, though. I smell a new romantic subplot brewing, because Skye wants to find out why Bloom hasn't returned his calls all day. 
<laughs> Sky Assassin's Creed's crawls up a tree. Uh, there's beavers. Sky- there's weird Pokemon-looking beavers. Sky Assassin's Creed's up a tree. But yeah, oh yeah, there are beavers. At least Sinloom says they're beavers. Four Kids doesn't really tell you what the species is. They look like uh, beavers, but with animu haircuts. Brandon calls them Magi Beavers. Magi, Magi, my beavers. <laughs> Sky Assassin's Creed's up a tree outside the ballroom to spy, and we cut inside. Flora tells Avalon that they're eager to start his classes, and it turns out that Avalon is a big nerd who brought notes on the Wings' efforts against the monolith with him to the party. It's kind of creepy, my guy. I don't... See, that doesn't strike me as creepy, that just strikes me as, oh, you're a, you're a dork. What kind of nerd <sighs> brings research notes to a, to a uh, welcome to our club party? Not welcome to our club, welcome to the... Welcome to the faculty party. Stella cuts Bloom off before she can ask for his notes and reminds everyone that this is a party, not a classroom. Back outside, Sky has a DBZ scanner out to use as a telescope and he sees Bloom with Avalon in his office. Avalon's office, not Sky, but Avalon's. So Sky sees this entire thing in silhouette uh, because I guess the window is not completely clear or the shades are down. Uh, we, the audience, get to see everything that actually happens. Bloom is eager to get his view on how she handled the monolith, since she tried destroying it until she ran out of mana. But he says he has some things to explain before she looks at his notes. Because he probably used, like, technical jargon. Sky can only see Bloom and Avalon's silhouettes through the window he was spying on, and we overhear that Bloom was apparently a single shot away from destroying the monolith at the pace she was going. Why do I not believe this? Well, that's what Bloom says. She goes, really? I was only one more... I was one shot away from finishing it? Which is probably her, like, hearing what she wants to hear. Anyway, Sky and Brandon get knocked out of their perch by a pair... By the same pair of whimsically designed beavers that they've been harassing. And the scene changes to Althea at dawn. Yeah, these are magic beavers because they can just chainsaw through like one eats through one side the other eats through the other and then they just fall that's not how beavers work guys it's really not Livy informs us the beavers lived happily ever after this story was all about the beavers good night folks we end the episode on kiko who uses the set of paper dolls he'd been making the entire episode as dominoes Bloom is last in the set, and the camera irises out on her face, not before it winks. I didn't see that it did wink. Of course it did. It winked. My last note is just, no! That happens sometimes. (sighs) So you started this episode, so I get to pick the best. Or I get to say my best first. Alright. This was a fairly mediocre episode. There wasn't a lot of things to best. There was also not a lot of things to worse, to be fair. Uh, my best moment for the episode is... Observe the viewing globe. <laughs> 
it it because it at least establishes that Darkar is not completely divorced from the from all other events that are going to happen. Okay, yeah, makes sense. Um, my best moment is um not DJing the party because at least they're letting Musa enjoy the party. Yeah, we forgot to mention that, but Nut is spinning some sick tunes. Otherwise known as having an iPod plugged into the speakers and pretending to scratch. Hmm. Uh, my worst moment of the episode is... I'm going to say this kind of like, they had to give the Pixies something to do, so the Pixies are upset that they're not being paid attention to. Okay, yeah, makes sense. Uh, my worst moment is the winking paper cutout. Oh, that's not even that bad. I did not like it. Uh, my, I mean, if you want me, to, if you want me to be serious, the my worst is the overarching thread. Is the whole puppet show narrative? It didn't need to be here. Four Kids was a totally fine episode without it. You know, the funny thing is that leads directly to my MVP because I'm going to give it to Livy for being the narrator. <laughs> I'm going to give it to the monolith for being a monolith. Oh. I MVP to rock. <laughs> oh, okay. So my, okay. So um, if I find a bit that I haven't been able to put into the episode organically uh, from four kids, I'm just going to read it out at now. Um, so in Four Kids, when Farragon is talking about, um, the whole bad crap that was going on, like, earlier, the view, view the viewing globe bit, um, Farragonda mentions that, like, the shadow fire can take control of anything and took control of this guy. And then Aisha just pulls out, when you say the shadow fire took control of him, does that mean it took him over or something? What do you think, Aisha? Look, we couldn't cut that reaction out of the episode. Would only be ten minutes long. <laughs> and that was my What the Four Kids moment. If you like what you heard today, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at MagicWinksPod. We try our best to keep you appraised of any developments that'll keep us from you know, keep the episodes from coming out on their regularly scheduled weeks. And sometimes we reblog, reblog, we retweet fan art and stuff that we like. News if it exists. Uh, you can email us at magicwinksclubhouse at gmail.com. That is the name of this podcast at gmail.com. We've gotten a weird amount of, hey, pay us and we'll promote your podcast. And I'm just thinking, no, I'm poor. Hmm. Not even sponsorship, just boosts. That brings us to a close for today. Uh, please leave a rating and review on your podcast platform of choice if you are able to do so. If not, please spread the word that we exist. I'm sure there's an entire Wings Club community out there who would like to know that a podcast exists that is covering their favorite show. Join us next time for Season 2, Episode 8, Party Crasher. I still hate Kiko. It's don't worry that this is not going to be the movie with Owen Wilson. And wow. Vince Vaughn? What movie are you talking? What? Wedding Crashers. Meeting adjourned. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
Okay, bye. <laughs>